Uh, last week we weren't able to meet because of the weather, and so what I'm going to try and do is cover last week's topic, which is exclusivity. Cover that today, but we're also going to uh, take what was supposed to be this week's topic, which is the problem of Jesus, and land uh, the plane there. Um, and so we'll see how all of this goes. But uh, other than hell, the topic of exclusivity is probably the most controversial when it comes to the Christian faith. Because while Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 6, um, his own words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now this creates an issue, a problem, a scandal for the Christian faith because if this is true, it means every other religion, it means every other worldview is wrong and powerless to save. Um, There was an article in McLean's magazine uh, not long ago, and it was titled, How Canadian Are You? And it it claimed that, here's what it says, more than 30% of Canadians were most uncomfortable around evangelical Christians a similar percentage as other top untouchables like drug addicts and child abusers. And so like that's, that's kind of a big thing, that, that evangelical Christians in Canada have been put in the same kind of realm, again, as child abusers and um, drug addicts. Okay, so why? Why have we been put into this category? Well, this is what it kind of turned out, primarily because Christians are viewed as narrow-minded bigots who believe that their way is the only right way when it comes to salvation. Now, as uh, as a country, we would say we are a stew. We aren't a melting pot, we are a stew, Um, which means we are inclusivists, and we just want everybody to get along. And so here's here's what inclusivism essentially says, um, that all religions are true, or at least partially true, and have value. And so, essentially, if you're coming to Canada, come as you are, you don't have to change, and we'll just kind of, you'll become part of the stew. That's kind of what um, Canada is, whereas other countries would say is more of a melting pot, where it's just like, if you're coming to our country, you're going to adopt the way we live, the way we think. Now, I want you to discuss this question. Do you think all religions are true, or at least partially true, and have value? Um, even if you think they're only partially true, do you believe all religions have some value? If so, in what ways? And so spend about five to five to eight minutes on that question, and then we'll, we'll keep going. Okay, so we'll, uh, we'll keep going. So uh, in our culture, if, if you say that Christianity um, is the only way, or if you're just not an inclusivist, you're considered, again, narrow-minded and kind of bigoted, um, if you deny that all religions are true and equal, that, that just does not fly well in our uh, society, and our culture. Now, another way of saying, and this is how people will say it, is that all paths lead to God. But that just doesn't logically make sense that all paths will lead to God. Now, that's a, that's a pluralist kind of line, that all paths lead there. They will say, your truth is your truth, and my truth is my truth, um, But here's what the pluralists won't do, but they should do. They should admit that they're not being logical or reasonable in holding this position, but they're um, building their worldview in ignorance of what philosophers call the principle of non-contradiction. And so this is what the principle of non-contradiction says, um, that if something is true, its opposite cannot be true at the same time and in the same way. And so 
I, I think if our culture were to be honest with ourselves, we would realize that our distaste of exclusivity, of saying um, that there's only one way, our distaste for that, it doesn't come from reason or a, an idea or a fact. It actually comes from um, a, a, a feeling. We, we don't want to hurt people's feelings. That's what it comes down to. Now, if my wife uh, says that I'm wearing a hat, and then my son comes into the room and says, I'm not wearing a hat, again, the principle of non-contradiction would say they can't both be correct. But if I go, you're right, Shannon, and you're right, Seth, just not to hurt their feelings, like, what, what good is that? It doesn't work. Um, and so logic just says you can't both be right. And so the law of non-contradiction says that two opposite things cannot be true at the same time. Um, and it, like this is, it's such a basic argument. I don't know why our culture struggles with it, but I think it's just like logically, if your view says one thing and my view says the other thing and they're total opposite, they can't both go to the same place. Now, this, what I'm saying is this does not prove that Christianity is true and it does not prove that Jesus is the only way. What it's saying and what it proves is that not all religions can be true at the same time. And so it's kind of starting to build steps in this argument. Now I want you to spend a few minutes on this question. In what way is holding an exclusive faith position different than denying others the right to believe and practice what they believe? Now, um, Halifax and just our country itself is a very multicultural um, society, and that's a good and beautiful thing. Um, one of the things I say, like one of my favorite things about our church is how multicultural uh, it is. But here's the thing. Our culture assumes often that if my beliefs are different or critical of something you do or you believe, then we just cannot tolerate one another. So again, our culture assumes that if your beliefs are different or critical of something, or my beliefs are critical or different of something you do or believe, then we cannot tolerate one another. I love this quote. Um, I don't have it up, but uh, it, it said this, discourse in our country died the day we decided that if I disagree with you, it means I hate you. Um, and it's just kind of saying, it's like if, if I can't disagree with you without you going, oh, you must not like me, you hate my people, it creates a, a whole issue, kind of conversation dies there. Now here's what happens. We mistake cultural pluralism, which is the acceptance and celebration of different cultures, peoples, races, and religions. We mistake that with metaphysical pluralism, which accepts as true all the ideas, convictions, and worldviews of those peoples and religions. Now, cultural uh, pluralism is a good and necessary thing, but metaphysical pluralism leads to disaster. Now, why does it lead to disaster? Because all beliefs cannot be true without fundamentally changing what they are. But once again, here's what happens. If you don't land in this, this camp that says all religions are, are true and acceptable, you're no longer welcome in the conversation. And so, while we can certainly exist within a cultural pluralism, uh, cultural, uh, I can't talk tonight, cultural pluralism, um, again, with the celebration, acceptance of different uh, cultures, peoples, races, and religions. Um, metaphysical pluralism is a bridge to nowhere. That, that requires us to say, not only do I respect your right to hold beliefs, but I also adopt your beliefs to be true. 
And so as I, I started off saying, and this is kind of where we're getting at, Canada isn't a melting pot. Um, it's a mosaic of different cultures, di- uh, a mosaic of different ideologies. And so here's what I would say. While we can fight for people's rights to say what they believe, we do not have to conclude that what they believe is true. Um, so I want you to spend just five minutes on this question. Should Christians support a person's right to practice whatever religion or system of belief they want? Why or why not? And I don't have this up there, but I want you to talk about this. What might be the dangers if we do, or what might be the dangers if we don't? other name under heaven given by among men by which we must be saved now this confession that's kind of the cornerstone the bedrock of christianity uh it's the driving force behind the mission of the church it's why we do what we do because christians respond to the needs of the world with love and grace we we send missionaries out um we we go to places of the world that have not been touched with the gospel because we believe people need to hear about jesus or they're not going to have um, a relationship with god in this life or in the next and that's not a good thing but this is kind of where christianity butts up against the western cultural message of metaphysical pluralism um, the, the mentality. Now, here's, here's what you'll kind of find people will say. Um, this, these quotes express it. Um, Rabbi Shmuley Botich, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, he says, I am absolutely against any religion that says one faith is superior to another. I don't see how that is anything different than spiritual racism. Um, so that's a pretty big, uh, pretty big statement there. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi, he says, my position is that all great religions are fundamentally equal. Um, So again, everybody can get along. We're all going to the same place. Don't worry about it. You do you type thing. Now, the greatest philosopher and theologian of our time, Oprah Winfrey, she says, uh, one of the biggest mistakes humans make is to believe there's only one way. Actually, there are many diverse paths leading to God. Um, and so again, inclusivism. Uh, everybody's accepted. Every, everybody gets there. You take your own path and we'll, we'll get there and we'll all be happy together. Now, um, if you want to understand inclusivism, there, there's a movie. Um, I'm not recommending you watch this movie, but if you've seen it, um, it, it kind of illustrates it perfectly. It is uh, Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Now, if, if you, again, if you haven't seen it, I'm not saying you should go out and see it, but there's a scene where he crashes his car, um, and he, he thinks he's on fire, he gets out of the car, he strips off his racing suit, he's running around the track uh, in his underwear, he's got his racing helmet on, but as he's doing this, he's, he's crying out, help me Jesus, help me Jewish God, help me Allah, help me Tom Cruise, use your witchcraft on me, get the fire off of me, help me Oprah Winfrey. Um, now, the reason that illustrates it, it because what, it, what he's essentially saying and illustrating is when it comes to having a God, just choose them all. You best hedge your bets. Don't limit yourself to one when you can believe in every God at once. That's inclusivism. Um, so, spend a few minutes on this question. Why do you think so many people want to believe that all paths or religions lead to the same place in the end? I know there's a typo on your sheet. 
Um, I, in other words, all paths lead to God, heaven, eternal life. So why do people want to believe this? Um, now, Tim Keller is a pastor in New York City, and uh, he, he talks about a time that he was invited to be the Christian representative in a panel discussion with a Jewish uh, rabbi and a Muslim imam. And he says, um, we, all, sorry, we all agreed on the statement, if Christians are right about Jesus being God, the Muslims and Jews fail in a serious way to love God as God really is. But if Muslims and Jews are right... Uh, my screen just cut out that Jesus is not God, but rather a teacher or a prophet, then Christians fail in a serious way to love God as God really is. And so the religious leaders, they recognized they couldn't all be right. They, they disagreed. Like all our, our different religions, we're not on the same page. We can't all be right. They contradict each other. Now, several of the students um, were quite disturbed by this, Keller says, Uh, because to insist that one faith has a better grasp on truth than others was seen as intolerant. Uh, Richard Moo, Mao, um, he says, Christian civility does not commit us to a relativistic perspective. Civility doesn't require us to approve of what other people believe and do. It is one thing to insist that other people have the right to express their basic convictions. It is another to say they are right in doing so. Now, We've been taking a while to get there, but here's the point. Not everyone can be right about God. Um, Not everyone is right about God. And so Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, um, they all exclude one another by default. For for somebody to say, oh, all religions are basically the same, all religions lead to the same place, that is a, a hugely ignorant statement about what these religions teach what they practice, um, what kind of their end goal actually is. Um, So Christianity, again, not alone in being exclusive in its truth claims. So Islam is exclusivist. It teaches that there is one God, Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. In Islam, heaven is a paradise of sensual pleasure for some, and hell is for those who oppose Allah and reject the teachings of Muhammad. The only way to get to heaven is to convert to Islam, which includes believing the six main doctrines and practicing the five duties of Islam. The six doctrines include specific exclusive beliefs regarding God, angels, scripture, Muhammad, the end times, and predestination. The five duties involve a statement of belief, prayer five times a day, the giving of alms, fasting during Ramadan, and a pilgrimage to Mecca at least once in a lifetime, if possible. Vastly different than Christianity. Uh, Totally different idea of how you get there and also what it looks like. Buddhism is another example of an exclusive religion, um, but a lot of people don't see it that way. Buddhism began when Siddhartha Gautama, I'm pronouncing that wrong for sure, but he rebelled against Hinduism, going against many of its major tenets, including the authority of the Hindu sacred scriptures, the caste system, the idea of the human soul, and the entire Hindu sacrificial system. And so he believed all of those things uh, were unnecessary for a person to experience nirvana, Uh, Sikhism later rebelled against both Hinduism and Buddhism, so kind of excludes those two religions. Atheism rejects all of these beliefs and anybody who believes in God or anything beyond the material world altogether. So when you really get down to it, there's not many worldviews that aren't exclusive in some 
way. Um, when you start examining their, their beliefs, their orthodox teachings, you're going to see they actually start excluding one another by default. Now, by trying to be inclusive of everyone, you actually become an exclusivist. So, so I'll say that again. By trying to be inclusive of everyone, you actually become an exclusivist. And so our, our Western nicety religion that we've kind of adopted in our culture, this is the civic religion we live every day where everyone's views are true and right as long as we avoid conflict in practicing them. But the people who tend to be the most vocal about this are the same people who are highly critical of the narrow-minded judgmentalism of Christianity. And so here's what it's, it, they're saying. They're happy to argue that all worldviews should be accepted as true unless that worldview disagrees with their inclusivist worldview. Then that worldview should not be accepted. And so essentially saying every worldview is true, but then along comes a worldview that says, no, not every worldview is true. And the person who's going, every worldview is true, it starts going, well, that worldview is not true. Like, it's a self-defeating um, argument. But this is the modern uh, position. Now, it actually might be, while it's trying to be um, non-judgmental, uh, non-offensive, it might actually be the worst of all of them because it excludes the exclusivist, exclusivists, which is actually judgmental and narrow-minded, and you say that your view on religion and truth is right and every other person's is wrong. And so trying to be an inclusivist actually makes you an exclusivist when you start to practice it, live it out. Now, um, maybe you've heard uh, the story of four blind men and an elephant. And this is a, a story that um, people will tell to, to demonstrate the inclusivist um, pluralist view of God and, and truth by proposing that all um, the different world religions have a piece or, or are actually different or simply different paths to the same place. And so here's, here's how the story goes. Um, there's four blind men. They're walking along a path and they come upon an elephant. Now these guys can't see and they're kind of stumbling along. And so one guy, he grabs the elephant's tail. Another guy, he grabs the elephant's leg. Another guy grabs the elephant's ear. And one gra guy grabs the elephant's trunk. And so the one who holds the tail says, we have stumbled upon a snake. Uh, the next one who grabbed the leg said, no, it's too thick and solid to be a snake. It's a tree. Now the one who holds onto the ear he says, what are you guys thinking? It's thin and dry. It's obviously a piece of paper. But the guy who holds onto the trunk says, no, this is a hose. Now again, uh, people will tell this story, and the assertion is that all the different religions of the world are like these blind men. Each has a small glimpse of a total truth, but not a comprehensive understanding of reality or the big picture. And so what this is kind of saying is the religions are doing their best to interpret the data they have, but in the end, we're just all talking about the same thing. We're just kind of seeing little bits and pieces of it. And so um, this, again, this is used to illustrate kind of the inclusivist worldview, um, and this is, demonstrates in many ways the, 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 the worldview of many people in our uh, Western culture. Now, theologian and author Leslie Newbigin, he says this, The story is constantly told 
in order to neutralize the affirmation of the great religions to suggest that they learn humility and recognize that none of them can have more than one aspect of the truth. But, of course, the real point of the story is the exact opposite. The story is told by someone who can see and is the, uh, sorry, the story is told by someone who can see and is the immensely arrogant claim of one who sees the full truth all the world's religions are only groping after. It embodies the claim to know the full reality which it claims that religions can't. And so to put it uh, another way, by saying there's no such thing as a comprehensive vision of truth, a person is claiming to have a comprehensive understanding of truth all the while denying anybody else the uh, ability to have it. They just won't let anybody have that. And so this implies, by saying, again, that you've only got a small glimpse of the whole big picture, this implies that they have uh, a whole big glimpse of the picture, that they understand things that nobody else can. And so this worldview, again, contradicts itself, should be abandoned. And so we have to ask this question. We've been asking this question the whole way through. Um, what holds up? What's actually true, not what just simply makes me feel good? And so I want you to spend a few minutes, probably about 10 minutes on this question. Why have you chosen the worldview or faith that you have? So for many of us, we would say it's Christianity. But then the next one, what factors played a role in your decision? Um... Now, I, I wanted you to spend a few minutes talking about what led you to become a Christian, um, what, what led you to choose the, the faith or whatever you've chosen um, for a reason. Because a lot, a lot of people say that we are Christian simply because uh, we happen to have been born in Canada or a, a Christian um, country. Not that, that, so we weren't born in Saudi Arabia or India, for instance. Now, they're implying that if we had have been born elsewhere, we probably wouldn't be a Christian, but we'd probably be a Muslim or a Hindu. Now, what they're saying is we are a product of our ethnocentricity, a narrow-minded individual who's been created by our culture. You are only a Christian because you were born in a Christian culture. Now, um, in its purest form, if you really get down to it, that is just a social, sociological observation. Um, it's, it's where one person lives. It's just observing. You live in Canada. Okay, great. Um, it has nothing, though, to do with the, the um, evaluating the validity of uh, a belief over another one in regard to the subject of religion. Um, there's no reason to reject Christianity or anything, for that matter, just based off of that observation that you live in a certain country, and this idea happens to be the predominant idea in that country. So we, we need to say that every person's worldviews are informed by where they were born and the culture in which they were raised. And so um, the skeptic who's saying you're only a Christian because you were born in Canada is actually raising a question that ra rises directly out of a worldview they adopted because they were born in the West. And so Alvin Platinga, he says... Suppose, um, suppose we concede that if I had been born of Muslim parents rather than Christian parents, my beliefs would have been quite different. The same goes for the pluralist or the inclusivist. 
If the pluralist had been born in Morocco, he probably wouldn't be a pluralist. Does it follow that his pluralist beliefs are produced in him by an unreliable process? And so Platinga's point is that even though the pluralist views are a direct product of where they were born, um, that pluralist would deny that his beliefs are unreliable because of those factors, and the same kind of extends to Christianity. You can't just say, you were born here, this is why you believe it. We, that's not a really good argument. In other words, um, this person probably would not be an inclusivist if they weren't born in Canada or the West. Um, and so, again, you just ask them, does this mean inclusivism is wrong? And they're probably going to say no. Uh, again, the same is true for the Christian faith. Now, once you get past the golden rule, um, the, most of us were taught this growing up, uh, treat others how you want to be treated, do unto others how you would have them do unto you. Um, almost every religion begins to teach opposite things. Once you get kind of past that, be nice to other people, they start to diverge pretty quick. And people say they teach the same things, but that's not true. Um, so we can say that all religions are basically the same, but this is actually offensive to some religions. So the, like, it, it deepens the offense for some religions, actually, when they say this, because take um, Muslims and uh, Jews and say, you know what, you guys are going to be in heaven together. Tell that to them and see how that's going to go down. Like, that's just not going to go well, because it's, it's telling, like, you're, you guys are both going to be there, you're just taking different routes. Now, you're taking um, Palestinians and Israelis. These are dyed-in-the-wool enemies of one another. Um, and you say, you guys are going to worship together in this, this great big sing-song in heaven. It's going to be great. All this will have been meaningless. You, you say that to them. Like, that's not going to go well. That's actually quite offensive because these are people whose loved ones have fought, died. They continue to fight, die, and sacrifice for things, for beliefs, ideas that they believe are true in an absolute sense. Um, these things such as the Holy Land, sacred practices, beliefs about God. Now, I think it's actually um, unloving, it's condescending and judgmental to tell um, the people who are practicing these religions that the blood that has been spilled um, is really all worthless because we're all going to be there together. Like, that, that's actually quite offensive and so it seems that it would actually be more rational and respectful to say one religion is true than to say all religions are true. And so the nature, again, of truth claims is that if something is true, its opposite has to be false. Um, so I want you to spend about five minutes on this question. What worldviews have you previously held or considered to be the best choice or choices among those available and why so? So just spend five minutes on that. Um, so before you became a Christian, what, what worldviews kind of attracted you? Or you thought there might be something uh, good about that? Now, I, I wanted you to talk about some of the ideas you considered before or um, might even go, they're, they're a bit attractive right now. The reason is that not all, um, not all views are equally acceptable or convincing. Some ideas are better than others. Um, in other words, not all religions are created equal. Now, a lot of people will say this, um, all religions are equally valid, but when they say that, they have in mind um, the sanitized religions. 
the sentimentalized religions, the religions that work well with our Western culture, um, but they forget things like the ancient Ammonites. They worshipped a god named Moloch. And Moloch, what he required was that the people who worshipped him would take their children and burn them alive. And then they would beat the drums at the same time so that the, the screams of the child was drowned out. Um, so are you going to say, like, will these people say that's a valid religion, equally valid as Christianity? Um, what about Jim Jones? Maybe you've heard of him. He led a group of people to believe very strange things about the world, about God and himself. And he convinced more than 900 people um, who followed kind of his, his really weird ideas to kill themselves. How do we feel about Jim Jones' doctrine? Is that equally valid as every other religion? Um, and so many people go, okay, those ones, yeah, not so much. Those aren't equally valid as Christianity and all these other mainstream ones. But the question is, if all religions are equally valid, but those ones aren't, how do you decide what's valid? Um, what re- religions do you deem as acceptable in our postmodern, um, tolerant worldview? And for what reasons do you accept them? And so is it that we just ex- accept the popular ones, the mainstream ones, or the domesticated ones, the ones that work well with our kind of our middle-class lifestyle. Now, this is kind of where it's all been coming to over these last nine weeks, I guess, is what we've done, um, is that, that we've looked at different religions, we've looked at different arguments, and so uh, Christianity answers the questions better, I think, than any other worldview or religion. So Christianity answers the questions of origins in a comprehensive and holistic way where Buddhism and atheism really don't have that great of an answer. When it comes to morality, again, the Judeo-Christian worldview, it says that God's given us a moral law that we've been made in his image, and that's why we live, we think, we feel the way that we do. Um, whereas atheism would say that um, we, it's, it's all a product of evolution. Um, we come to moral conclusions that are helpful for survival and mating, but those, those moral categories aren't necessarily true, only what helps you survive. But that, again, doesn't work well with our um, experience, what we, what we live. Reconsider that, that question of evil and suffering. Many in our worldview would say pantheism uh, is a, an appealing worldview. And pantheism is saying there's divinity in everything. Um, and, and so they say God is everything and everything is God. And that sounds beautiful in our culture today. We love that where we kind of have a, a high view of self. Yet when you face evil and suffering, that worldview starts to crumble pretty quickly. N.T. Wright, he says, you really have to try hard to believe that there's divinity in everything, including wasps, mosquitoes, cancer cells, tsunamis, and hurricanes. It can't cope with evil when everything, including yourself, shares in or lives within divinity. There's no higher court of appeal when something bad happens. Nobody can come and rescue you. And so this has, again, been the point of this whole thing, is that you have to compare the ideas that are being presented by every religion, each worldview, and come to a conclusion which one is actually the most valid. Now, we started off with John 14, 6, and Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so Jesus is making this clear claim, I am God um, I am the only way of salvation, and that's a, that's a huge, huge claim. Now, 
a lot of people say this. Jesus was a great moral teacher, but they can't get to the point where they say Jesus was God in the flesh. And so those who won't accept his claim to be God, um, they, they don't believe in his resurrection. They're left with two possibilities, and here's what they are. Maybe Jesus was lying, or maybe Jesus was a lunatic. Maybe he was crazy. Now, Richard Dawkins, he um, actually suggested that maybe Jesus was just sincerely mistaken. Maybe Jesus was having a bit of a, an identity cre- uh, crisis, but this, again, just puts Jesus into the category of a crazy man. He, he's a lunatic. Um, and so people who sincerely believe they are someone other than they actually are usually end up in a psychiatric ward. That's just where you end up putting them. Now, we, we don't take what they say seriously usually. Now, C.S. Lewis, he says this. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things uh, that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he is a poached egg, or he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either he was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. Now, when you get down to it, the people who claim that Jesus was simply a great moral teacher, they haven't really spent any time in Jesus's teachings. Because if they read his teachings, if they looked at his life, they would go, he's not left that option open to us. That You would say he's either crazy or he's far more than a good moral teacher. There was something more. He's the son of God. Now, um, here's what another argument. We're kind of, I'm putting them in here because we're wrapping up tonight. Some people will say you're only a Christian because it's a crutch. Um, it's something weak-minded people lean on and believe in. And often people will say that religious people use God to find comfort during difficult times, but even though you think you feel comfort, that doesn't make God real. Um, But in reality, most Christians did not become Christians because they find Christianity all that comforting. Um, Now I would say this, and we're, we're talking about this in the Christmas season, we're saying Christianity is the most hopeful, loving, uh, peaceful, joyful uh, faith there is out there and we believe that that there is comfort in those difficult times but that again that's not a good enough reason to believe in something you, you have to ask this question is it true and so the historical philosophical and scientific conclusions that we've looked at kind of say christianity is true it, it is legitimate now the reality is that christianity isn't all that comforting at times because it's a belief that has consequences. Um, if you become a Christian, usually you're going to feel it. There's, there's going to be some things that come along that aren't all that comfortable. Now, the easy position, they're saying you're a Christian because it's easy. It's actually not. The easy position is to say everybody is right and that there's no absolute truth. And so if you hold on to a pluralist, relativist, inclusivist, uh, postmodern worldview, that's going to cost you nothing in our culture. It's like everybody's accepted, every truth is true, or every idea is true. You're going to fit right in with everybody, and you'll be accepted by everybody. But it's it's easy. 
that worldview because you fit in with everybody. Nobody's going to challenge you on that. But here's the thing. People see what accepting the truths of Christianity might mean for their lives, and they actually get scared. And instead of doing what is rational, reasonable, logical, they, they run from it because there are consequences to the Christian faith. Now, I, I'm hoping that you're understanding people don't become a Christian because it's easy or because it's a crutch or a form of wishful thinking. You could probably say your own life would be a whole lot easier if you weren't a Christian. Yeah, at least it would be a lot more self-indulgent, um, a lot more enjoyable in some ways. Christianity isn't easy. Now, the fact is that most Christians are, are compelled to believe this by the fact that they believe that Jesus is true. And if we believe it's true, we have to abandon our plans for Jesus's. And so this is where Christianity hits real life. And this is, this is why we've explored all the things that we've looked at. Um, all the problems that people have with God, all the problems that people might have with Christianity, that kind of comes down to who we say Jesus is. And so regardless of what your relationship is with Jesus, my hope is that through these, again, nine weeks, um, you've seen that Christianity actually offers um, a compelling uh, vision of the world, that, that it is rational, that we have something firm to stand on, that is not wishful thinking, that is not Ill illogical, that reason and truth are on our side. Um, and I, I just hope that as you kind of go out from tonight, that you'll continue to examine your questions, look at the doubts you might have, and just dig into those more. Um, so I want you to spend the last... 20 minutes roughly on the, the final questions and then we'll wrap up.